Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. Today, for 2019, we are looking at abdominal pain. Now, abdominal pain is a diagnostically challenging presentation. The multitude of abdominal organs combined with the often changing severity and location of the pain can be quite misleading. So luckily for us, we have our friend, our colleague, Dr. Dinesh Palapana. He is a junior doctor of the year, is that correct? That's right. And uh, I think we now also have to call you something like brigadier or, or captain ah. or, or sir or knight or like we were saying, able seaman, maybe? My liege. Maybe My liege. Yeah, that's right. Maybe so we should give the context there. So he was awarded the uh, Order of Australia medal. Yeah, which is amazing. Just recently on Australia Day. And junior doctor of the year. Yes. Which is brilliant. And he's just uh, come thanks, up a night guys. shift. So yeah. he's... Um, uh, it's always fun to be here, though. <laughs> chat with you guys. He says... All right, we're going to start with abdominal pain, and Matt's going to begin with a case study. First of all, why are we choosing abdominal pain today? That's a question to you, Michael. Oh, okay. It's common? Yeah, common so, presentation with so ED? Dinesh, is, would you say this is the number one presentation to ED? Um, statistically, I'm not sure, actually, but... Well, it is. It's okay. definitely... It's, <laughs> well, thank you. It's uh, damn common, that's, okay. that's for sure, yeah. Okay, so I thought I would open up today's uh, podcast with a typical case study of abdominal pain, and then we can start to go through all the aspects of pain and how you would assess it and so forth. So, we have a 64-year-old male presenting to ED with diffuse pain throughout the abdomen, but um, worsening in um, cycles. It seems to be worse at the lower left quadrant, and the pain also comes with distension of the abdomen and ongoing constipation. So, 
Dr. Dinesh, if someone was to present to you like this, what are you thinking? I think um, there's a lot of useful information that's there already. So one of the things that you think about initially are just the basics. So is it a male or a female? How old are they? So a young female will have a different set of things that you're thinking about straight away. Right. Whereas an elderly male gentleman like this has a different things. So does this include things like being female, you need to start thinking about reproductive organs and obviously being male, less so? Exactly. Males well, don't have reproductive organs. Well, they do, but they're probably <laughs> going to be less, uh, less pelvic pain, I'd assume, with males, statistically. Yes, but um, you, you can still get presentations that affect them. But um, so th this is an elderly gentleman. Um, so age also changes to things that you'll think about. So if it was a young male, you might start thinking about things like appendicitis or mesenteric adenitis and things like that. But with an elderly gentleman like this, you start to think about a few more serious things. Mm. Um, so would you say it becomes more serious with age? Not always, but you have higher cause for concern. Yeah. Because also a lot of the time, these people tend to have other comorbidities and they may not be physiologically as robust okay. as well. Right. Yeah. So... If we were to, so to, I think maybe to give us some frame of reference, considering we're talking about the abdomen, um, one of the reasons it's difficult is because obviously there's a multitude of organs within mm. the abdomen. And so if we were to break up the abdomen into the nine abdominal yep. areas, um, w would you say that one of the nine abdominal areas presents more commonly than others? Or would you say that because abdominal pain can be, at least in the first instance, quite diffuse as opposed to mm. localised. That they People just come in and go, look, I've just got this abdominal pain that's coming and going or maybe it's a dull aching or it's a sharp pain. This is one of the reasons why it's so difficult, right? It's, it's so variable. Would you say it progresses from a more diffuse to a more localised more often? Sometimes, or sometimes people just come in and say, look, I've got pain in the epigastrium. Well, they don't even say epigastrium. <laughs> I was going to say, say great, right, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. It so would be handy. So <laughs> just to get the anatomy there, so when you do your nine quadrants, yeah. so the so, the vertical lines yep. are mid-clavicular, is that correct? Um, yes. And then your two horizontal, the higher one, is going through the pylorus, which is the pylorus plane, kind of where the stomach goes into the uh, mm -hmm. small bowel or the duodenum. Mm -hmm. And then you've got kind of the top of the hip, I think that's a transtubular plane. So that gives you the nine quadrants. Yeah. And so just oh. while we're there with the anatomy, the main kind of structures that sit in each. So with these nine quadrants, we've got three, 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 yeah. superior, moving superior, middle, inferior. And so the line superior is the hypochondriac with left and right, and in the middle, epigastric. And then we go down to the second three, which is going to be in the middle, the umbilicus, which is kind of where your belly button is. Either side of that is the lumbar, left and right. And then going down to the last third is the hypogastric. And either side of that is the left iliac and right iliac. That's right. Now, just so we know, the main organs that are located in each, we've kind of got the stomach as a majority in the left hypochondriac region. 
in the epigastric, we've got uh, a bit of the liver, left lobe. Uh, what else is in the epigastric? Um, epi so the epigastric. Bit of duodenum. Yep, it has the aorta running behind it. Mm. Okay, that's a good one. Well. Yep. Uh, and then you go to the right hypochondriac, which is going to be right over to the right side, up, up the top, is mostly the liver, gallbladder, biliary tree. Moving down to the umbilicals, kind of small intestine, and then the left lumbar. I'm going to draw it myself. Left <laughs> lumbar is going to be probably descending colon, yep. maybe a spleen, possibly, or is that more upper, upper left, the left, left upper quadrant? Yeah. Um, the right lumbar is the the ascending bowel, and then going down to the left iliac. So you got sigmoid, would rectum kind of come in there? Not so much. Mm, maybe a bit of ureter. Yep, um, yep. And then the right iliac, this is kind of cecum, appendix. And I guess on either side it would be the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, the females. And then kind of sitting in the hypogastric region would be bladder. Yep. Uh, Super pubic. Mm. okay. Yep. So that got all that out of the road now. So <laughs> no, that's, no, that's great. That's perfect. Yep. So with now presenting with the pain, so at least in this case, we've got a guy who's got diffuse pain because it's kind of all over the abdomen. Yep. But it seems to be um, worse down the lower left area so yep. could I, we could we then quickly say that you, you're probably going to be presented with three different types of pain predominantly when it comes to abdominal pain the visceral pain which is coming from the org, uh, the organ itself the somatic pain uh which is nociceptors being stimulated or body body wall or body wall and referred pain which is obviously pain being uh, localized to a part of the body where it's not necessarily originating from uh, would it be fair to say that when you've got visceral pain when it comes to the abdomen, that if you've got it happening to something that's a, a hollow organ, for example, maybe part of the bowel, that that type of pain usually comes about due to distension and often it's due to gas and liquids for distension. And if it's to a solid organ, it's something happening with the capsule, the nociceptors, pain receptors in the capsule, which may be a fluid buildup, like blood, maybe some sort of mass tumor, something like that potentially, um, and that the somatic pain most often comes from some sort of uh, inflammation or irritation to the peritoneum itself, and maybe that's a, a, a progressive phase going from the organ that's originally been affected and then progressing to the peritoneum, and that's maybe when you start getting it more localized, mm -hmm. um, and then the referred pain uh, potentially potentially, we're not 100% sure, has to do with the nerve fibers that are going back to the spine, um, sort of all coming together, different parts of the body, coming together into one aspect of the spine, going to the brain, and the brain sort of mixing up where this yeah. is coming from. Exactly. Would that be fair? Yeah, but with um, when you were talking about hollow mm. viscuses or hollow organs like the bowel, so yes, um, when it fills up with something, it can be one, but also when it's blocked. So okay. when something's blocked um, and when it's trying to, you know, when it's still trying to um, express peristalsis, mm. you can still get that. So if you've got a uh. kidney stone or if you've got mm. um, a gallstone. So, would this, so then would you say that the pain that you experience from this would be due to peristalsis trying to be that contraction that's happening to push mm -hmm. something through, but because of the obstruction... Um, mm -hmm. it's acting in a way like it's distending over an object or around an object and this sort of pain would be uh, coming and going and would be termed, is that colic? Yeah. That's yeah. a colicky pain? Yeah. So intermittent pain. Intermittent pain. So he kind of presented with a bit of that. He had diffuse pain but he did have... Kind of you want to put the microphone to your mouth? 
Okay, so yeah, he had a bit of that as well. But just to add on the mechanical, so from from what I've looked into, it, it appears that visceral pain is broken into two types, being a mechanical pain and a chemical pain. Mechanical pain, like Mike said, is usually to do with stretch, distension, contracting against a, an obstruction, and that's usually transmitted by the serosa, so it's the outer part of, let's say, the bowel or the organ or the mesentery. Whereas the chemical pain seems to be more associated with the actual mucosa, which is the inner lining of um, the bowel, let's say. So the first lot of cells that would be in the intestine. So if they, let's say, get eroded from an ulcer, that could cause a type of pain compared to a distension pain, which is a blockage, which could be um, in the bowel itself or the, the organ itself or the mesentery even. But with the bowel, would you ex- would you feel... I don't know the answer to this, but... I'm just making an assumption. If the bowel was lacerated, just the bowel was lacerated, would do you think the patient would be experiencing pain? Or would the pain be due to the laceration or would it be due to secondary effects um, from the laceration, such as fluid, fluid building up, maybe peristalsis trying to happen but it's not happening? Because as far as I'm aware, you, you wouldn't feel any pain if you had some sort of laceration and only laceration of the bowel. But I I could be wrong. I don't know. And I mean, I'm sure you've never been presented with a patient who's only had a laceration of the bowel with nothing else. You, you well, you can actually perforate oh, really? bowels. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. So you can get bowel perforations from various things. And so, do they experience abdominal pain? They experience significant, pretty exquisite <laughs> pain. Actually, and it would have yeah. been due to the perforation. Do you think? It'd be a, a combination of things because what's in there would leak out, yeah. um, and which would then lead to like yeah, irritation. Yeah, exactly, which would cause irritation. But it's usually exquisitely painful. Yeah. yeah okay. But uh, and this is uh, and I don't know because I'm obviously not a medical doctor, but I've heard that say with let's say you have an obstruct obstructed bowel, yeah, and then it, which would be highly painful, and then it would lead to say a perforated bowel, mm. and that release of pressure might actually take the pain away possibly potentially but you'd still be in a yeah, yeah. fair bit of pain well, well, yeah okay um so let's have a look thinking about those nine quadrants so is it fairly accurate that um when a, a patient presents with a problem with what, one of those organs that the pain will sit in that location or can it be somewhere sometimes somewhere else i know mike spoke about yeah. referred pain yeah, so you, you can get referred pain, exactly. So, for example, if you have um, something irritating your liver or biliary colic, which is, you know, gallstones mm-hmm. or something to do with your gallbladder, you can feel it in your scapula or shoulder sometimes. So you can get referred pain yeah. that way. And I guess um, the reason for that is um, the, the diaphragm, which is sitting just above the liver, uh, it's innervated by a nerve called the phrenic nerve, which comes from C, C being cervical, 3, 4, 5, which is up in your neck, which also innervates, you know, your trapezius, well, that, that kind of dermatomies, trapezius and some of your neck. And so, like Mike said, that nerve fiber gets mixed up. Similar to, say, some patients may have heart attack and they get arm pain. Mm-hmm. So, you've got a liver, which is sitting just below the diaphragm, but on the well, together with the diaphragm. And so, if you irritate that whole region, it can go up up into the shoulder and have you got another example of a referred pain um let me think i my brain is not working properly so just come off a nice shift yep that's understandable. How does that, that, like, would, that would probably be the 
you know. What about like say uh, kidney stone? Does that because the kidneys yeah. are kind of in the lumbar region? Does yeah? Do the stones? I, don't know, I mean, so um, kidney stones by themselves. So nephrolithiasis or just having stones sitting in your kidney yeah. can be asymptomatic. Right. But when they become ureteric calculi or when they start to go down into the ureter. ureter that's when it can become really painful. Right. Is it only and the, painful because of the peristalsis? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, that's one of the main reasons. Yeah. Mm. So classically, that kind of pain can happen. It's loin to groin, so it can. Um, right. Yeah. It, it, you can feel it going from so your um, mid back on one side all the way down to your groin. Mm. Um, Intermittent. Is that only during the colicky sort of, or do, does, yeah. is that usually quite constant for that? Intermittent, generally, okay. yeah, classically. But you can just have constant pain as well. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are writhing around in pain when it happens. Heard but, it's um, pretty painful. I've never mm. experienced it. Colleague of ours have, has experienced it. Uh, a couple yeah. of people were. My dad's, yeah. my dad's had it. Um, and they just say it's horrendous. But when you were talking about referred pain, actually, mm-hmm. Matt, um, one other example is with um, kids, sometimes when they come in with abdominal pain or particularly suprapubic pain or some of the lower quadrants, one of the things that you should generally check for is testicular torsion. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another example. Is that, com- is that common for kids? Torsion? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not super, super common, but it's... it's but you'd uh, see what, what, often it, enough that yeah, well, it's, it's something you'd think about. One of the things that you don't want to miss yeah, because it has some serious consequences. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I'm going to do something that I've never done before, and that's bring up embryology. Oh, well, I um, converted you. Well, yeah. I think it's Goodness. for once it's important. Um, <laughs> uh, blasphemy. So, so in general, visceral pain is perceived from the abdominal region that correlates to the embryonic um, somatic segment, right? So your foregut, midgut, hindgut. So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to test Matt and see how good his embryology knowledge here. So foregut structures, Matt. Can you name some foregut structures? Well, let's just say the foregut basically starts in the mouth and ends at the point at where the liver came out. So that where you have the um, bile duct that enters the duodenum is yep. the end of the foregut. So all the structures from that point. So you would have esophagus, stomach, first two parts of the duodenum, probably pancreas you could argue for, yep. Uh, liver, and gallbladder, okay. foregut. So that's your foregut. And so these are usually associated with upper abdominal pain. And is that accurate, Dinesh, generally? Yeah. So yeah. midgut. Okay, well, what, what organs would you find from the midgut? Or, or yeah, so that's all the, so that all the GI organs from that, um, the bile duct point onwards, all the way to your transverse colon splenic flexure, basically. So that will give you all small bowel, Yep. So that will give you the rest of the duodenum, so parts three, four, yeah, and then you go into jejunum, all of ilium, yeah, cecum, so the proximal colon, uh, yeah, cecum, appendix, yeah, ascending colon, two thirds transverse colon. Okay, and this is usually associated with periumbilical pain. Yeah, is that still? Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, until probably it involves the peritoneum, right? Mm. And then finally, the hindgut structures. So the last third of the transverse colon, all the descending colon, sigmoid, and the proximal two-thirds of the rectum. What about the genitourinary tract? Would that be part of it? Well, that that branches, all that gets herniated off. 
not herniated off, but just, there's a septum that goes down and s- separates the urinary from the, um, the, the, the bowel. Yeah. And that's, um, otherwise it was a cloaca. And so, <laughs> and so this is usually associated with lower abdominal pain. So we've got that foregut, upper abdominal pain, mid-gut, peri-umbilical pain, and hindgut, lower abdominal pain. And that's the last time I'll ever talk about <laughs> embryology. But no, I, I think, think it is also. quite helpful um, in this <laughs> case. So I think what you're highlighting there is yep. all the foregut structures, uh, if they don't become referred, could potentially present with kind of upper epigastric-ish pain. The mid-gut structures, like small bowel, will present right around your belly button, and then your Rest m- more your colon and so forth would present lower down. Yeah. If you're not involved in kind of referred. So a good example, and again, Dinesh, correct me if I'm wrong, but appendix, that's mid-gut. So initially, appendicitis might be around the umbilicus, but as it gets bigger and more inflamed and may start to spill inflammatory mediators into the peritoneum, it is, becomes much more localised where the appendix actually is, and so then the pain would be where? Mm-hmm. It would be in the right... Well, it would be in the right lower quadrant, yeah. And when you press on it, it's specifically a point called McBurney's point, which is two-thirds of the way from your umbilicus to your anterior superior iliac spine. Right. Yeah. And you get, is it rebound pain? Well, that that depends. So you might just press and you might get tenderness when you when you palpate it. Um, you can get re... So you can get, when it, as it progresses, mm. it becomes... You can get rebound tenderness. You can also get percussion tenderness. So you okay. you put your palm down on the abdomen and tap it. Yeah. And people get get tenderness mm. from that. You can also get um, Robsing sign, where you press the contralateral side of the abdomen and they feel pain there. Oh, so why is that? Um, that's a good question. Is that just I, because you're shifting things around and? It- I, can't, I honestly can't remember that's the mechanism of it, yeah. but yeah, that's one of the signs. Um, and you can get things like the psoas sign, mm-hmm. where you um, hip flex. Yeah, hip extend. Oh, extend. Yeah, okay. and then um, it's more so if it's a retrocecal appendix as okay. well. I think so. Sitting behind yeah. the cecum. Yeah, and yeah. that just irritates us. the psoas. Irritates it more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. What I'm interested in here with yep. the abdominal pain in the presentation is that, like you said in the beginning, is that it's what determines the way you look at this and the way you then approach your next couple of steps, which we'll talk about in a sec, has to do with you know the demographic of the, of the individual. Yep. So male versus female and age. Is there anything else that you'll take into consideration? Yeah. So those basic things are really important because it's going to shape the way you think about it mm. and the things that you're going to um, put on your list in your head. So, right. okay, so that's a good point. So yep. you would have, whether it's conscious or unconscious, some algorithm for abdominal pain sitting in your head in which yeah. you are plugging exactly. in the variables and you'll spit out what you'll likely think would be what's going on. Exactly. Um, and so is there any way that consciously, I know you, you probably do it quite easily subconsciously but consciously could you break it down um predominantly with male versus female what it would most likely be and age groups what it would most likely be or do you do you really have like a top three differential and then you then send off the imaging or so what's what's the process there yeah 
One of the things about medicine is that um, there are things that you don't want to miss. So there are things that might be remote, but you don't want to miss uh, okay. because they can be life-threatening. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, in a you know, young lad, it could be testicular torsion yes. that you don't want to miss. Um, appendicitis is probably something you don't want to miss in case it progresses and becomes bad. And so with and, that with that spectrum, sorry yep. to interrupt, with that spectrum, let's say something that's fairly minor, it's not going to kill them, to something serious that could kill them if you don't pick it up, yep. to life-threatening if you don't find it now, they're going to be dead. Yep. Um, does that spectrum present with worse pain? So it's like the, yeah, the most can. life-threatening yep. going to be the worst, worse? Yeah, it, okay. it can. And the, and the patient can be very sick. You know, they can be pale, they can be sweating, they can be okay. their vital signs, you know, their blood pressure's low, their right. febrile, tachycardic, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, so you, you have a list of things. So in, in a young lady, you don't want to miss an ectopic pregnancy, uh, yes. for example, or a pregnancy. Whereas in a middle-aged woman that might come in with epigastric pain, you don't want... So th this is another point on this topic is you can get abdominal pain with extra abdominal causes. Yes. So say you get a middle-aged woman with epigastric pain, one of the things you might want to rule out is a myocardial infarction mm. or a heart attack. Mm. Okay. So you have all these differentials that you start off with, but then you start to talk about the pain itself. And, you know, if some of the good... Um, clinicians, a lot of the time they can get a really good idea of what's going on just with a good history. So there are different mnemonics and systems okay. yep. that people use to get a history. Some of them, you know, there's PQRST, there's Socrates. The way I do it in my head is I talk about where the pain is and then I talk about the nature of it. So I say, you know, sometimes I say point out where the pain is for me. Okay. And I say, what does it feel like? Is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it burning? Mm. Okay. Describe it to me. So what would be distinguishing there? So if it's a dull, diffuse pain, what are you thinking versus a sharp, stabbing pain? Um, so that that's still, I think you need you almost need a bit more history. Okay. Still, yeah, so that, that information so, needs to be plugged in with other variables, yeah, being yeah. age, yeah. sex. and So from that so, point, you can't go diffuse, kind of gnawing pains, more likely to be visceral versus sharp, stabbing, more localizers, more yeah. so you, you kind somatic. Of, I mean, you have two bits of the puzzles already. So you've asked about the nature of the pain. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you asked about where it is. Then you asked about the nature of it, which yep. is what we just did. And then you ask a few other questions as well. So you ask when it came on. Okay. Okay, so um, when did it come on? Did it come on suddenly yeah. or did it come on gradually over okay. a period of time? And so I, Sorry. Yep, yeah, sorry. Um, so, you know, if, if it's sudden onset pain, then you, you might start thinking about other things. So that leads to the next question, which is how bad is the pain? Um, and you generally say, you know, if 10 was the worst pain that you ever had in your life and one is nothing, can you rate it for me? So you, you ask that. And then you say, has the pain got better at all? Mm. Um, ha has it gone away or is it still there? Mm -hmm. Then you ask whether anything aggravates it. Does it get worse when you move? Does it get worse when you cough? Mm. 
to get worse when you talk. Does anything so? And then sometimes you can ask things like, you know, oh, they say it feels better when I hunch over, mm. or it feels better when I'm not moving. Um, then you can ask, you know, what what else makes it better? Has your pain relief made it better? Has okay. vomiting made it better? Mm. Has pooing made it better? Mm. Um, and then you ask for other symptoms that are going on at the same time. So that's important. Yes. Have you had any vomiting? Are you nauseous? Have you had fevers? Have you had diarrheas? Are you constipated? Mm. Um, what's your appetite been like? So all those questions are important as well. So, so when it's you, very complex. I don't know pain, isn't it? Exactly. And you need to ask all these questions to get an idea of what might be happening. Then you need to also ask about their medical history. Yeah. Have they had surgeries before? You know, um, so assume bariatric surgery would be a huge uh, factor. If they said, I've had bari- bari- bariatric surgery before, maybe you're thinking that there's some adhesion or some issue. Yeah. In regards or any intra-abdominal surgery yeah. might lead to that yeah. sort of thing. You know? So um, are they taking any medications? Mm. If they're taking... Like NSAIDs or something? Exactly. That's exactly right. So if these people are taking NSAIDs chronically... Um, you might start to think, oh, this guy has epigastric pain. He's been taking NSAIDs for a long period of time. Does he have a perforated ulcer yeah. or just gastritis? Is that common? Um, it is actually, yeah. yeah. NSAID-induced gastritis or NSAID-induced ulcers. Yeah. Um, perforations are less common. And so with, so with stomach issues like mm-hmm. that, um, what would likely make it better for them? Would it be an antacid or would it be after eating or before eating? So, yeah, potentially. Um, oh, you mean, uh, you know, symptomatically? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, potentially um, eating could make it better. Sometimes, mm. you know, um, but if it's progressed to a point where, they, you know, it's severe, they just come in and say it's been hurting for ages okay. and yeah. nothing's making it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... You know, they, they can have bleeding ulcers that yeah. need urgent. So that's where the rest of the history comes in. Have mm-hmm. you, are your stools black? Yeah. You know? Um, so all these questions help build the picture yeah, mm. of a thousand different things. That yeah, of course. Yeah. Cool. But they're asking the right questions. Really important. So when it comes to a diagnosis like GORD, for example. Yeah. Um, with, is that a diagnosis of of exclusion? Like you, you have to you do a whole bunch of different workups, um, you do a bunch of different tests, and you don't find anything. Is that when you go look? It's just reflux. Yeah, I mean, are there often yeah. diagnoses you come to at the end of um, seeing somebody where you basically just go, look, I, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. Yeah. It must then be this. There's no test you can do to determine it. Yeah, is that common for abdominal pain? Yeah, and. It could be a case of just excluding the serious things. Yeah. You say, look, and, you know, in the emergency department, you have to do that a lot of the time. You say, look, you're not dying right now yeah. and you're not going to die. Yeah. But um, you need to go back to your GP mm. and follow up X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. So is, is idiopathic pain, you know, pain of, a, of what we think is of an unknown cause, mm. is that... a a common presentation in ED, at the end of it, you go, look, I have no idea what's actually causing this abdominal pain. Is that common? Chronic pain is a huge issue mm. and the way it's managed also is a huge issue. And yeah, you certainly get you know, pain where you can't find any cause. Yeah. 
um, you know, it's it's not it's not extremely common, but yeah. yeah, it's definitely there. We we always find presentations with no cause. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, so if we go back to the case study, um, can you just highlight some important points? Maybe highlight. highlight so his the age. age he's, so he's male. He's sixty-four. Yeah. Um, he's got diffuse pain, but um, it still comes in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got distension of his abdomen, and he's been constipated for some time. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if we want to kind of go through this as you would approach it. So. Let's just, I, I know you did mention the PQRST, which is your mnemonic. So just for the listeners, so they know what that all means. So the P is for provoking factors, things that make, is that right? Things make, making things yeah, worse? Yeah, I actually don't use PQRST. Okay, but, um, you're a Socrates I, man. I, I have your, Socrates. Your own yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I have my own, I have my own mnemonic, which is, um, yeah, which I learned in uh, med school in 08. Uh, but I think people use Socrates a lot more now. Okay. But for this guy, um, if we're talking about this guy specifically, um, and I guess it's difficult because we can't exactly ask questions here. Exactly. You just, you just got, you just got <laughs> yeah, a bit true. of information. But you know, the fact that he's sixty-four yep. and um, the information that we do have is quite helpful. Okay. So um, he hasn't pooed for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's been constipated. So um, that's a key. Um, bit of information and he said the abdomen's distended yep. um, he said that the pain's generalized but also tender in the left lower yep. quadrant yeah yeah and the pain does even though it's diffuse and ongoing it does come in intermittent waves right? yeah so that that kind of gives us a bit of a, um, a bit of an idea of what you might be looking for so the top of the things on your list could be obstruction. Okay. Um, you could potentially also think about diverticulitis right. in that age group. Um, and so without knowing if it's obstructed, I mean, like you can't yeah. see through them. So how would you confirm that? Is, uh, Whether they're obstructed. Yeah. Um, you do an erect abdominal x-ray. Okay, so why would you do a same x-ray over a CT? Um, you can certainly do a CT, mm-hmm. but an erect abdominal x-ray is a really quick way to see if they're obstructed. So you'll see distended bowels. Okay. You'll see air fluid levels right. from things sitting there. So And why erect? Why get them to stand up? If they're in pain and they want yep. to lay down, why would you get so, them to... Yeah, it's so you can see the air fluid levels if they're there. So does that just yeah. mean air also, will be sitting um, higher up and, and if they were to have... Yeah, so you'll actually see um, uh, fluid. Um, so you, you'll see lines of fluid sitting okay. through the bowel. Right. Kind of like, you know, if you look at a gas with fluid in it, mm. you can see the level of the fluid. Yeah, okay. And you, you so you'll see that. Oh, wow. You'll see air fluid levels. So you'll see fluid levels throughout your bowel. Yeah. Another... Would that would that take time? Like, do you have to stand them up for five minutes? No, no. So it's super quick. The other useful wow. thing about that, um, an erect abdominal X-ray, is also you can see if there's a perforation, because you'll see uh, air under the diaphragm. 
Because that, oh, yeah. that would just go yeah, on top of that. Just obviously, yeah. it's going to raise yeah. up. And if you get the diaphragm as well, you can sometimes see it. Yeah. Um, so you can do erect chest X-ray or erect abdominal X-ray. So you can see both of those things. Um, and so that's it. CT takes time, um, and it's you know more more costly. Mm. But if you do an abdominal X-ray, it takes you know Quick. seconds. Yeah, and, and you can, you'll have an answer straight away. And you could potentially do it at the bedside too, right? You could if you there's, wanted to. There's portal yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, but that that would be, they usually don't do them erect, I don't think. Okay, um, right. And I guess there's a radiation issue as well with CT, right? It's a lot more exactly. radiation. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, an erect abdominal x-ray will give you an answer pretty quick. So if there's no suspicion of obstruction in that, um, it's much less likely that they're actually obstructed. Hmm. Yeah. I'm interested in abdominal aneurysm. Yeah. So abdominal aortic aneurysm. Yeah. How would that? How does that present? I would assume that would, is that more common in the elderly. Yeah. Yeah. And how so, would that present? Is that one of your big red flags? Yeah. So it definitely is a big red flag. And abdominal aneurysm. So if it's um, when they'll present to the ED, sadly is when they either rupture mm. or, or something catastrophic happens. Yeah. To, so to, often too late. Yeah. So there's a, there can be an occult asymptomatic aneurysm sitting there mm. and then, you know, it, it either ruptures or something happens. So it's usually asymptomatic up until it's too late. It, it certainly can be. Wow. So they yeah. can present to you it's, and it's just ruptured or it's yeah. ruptured. It could. I would have thought if you got seconds, you'd be dead in seconds. I just thought you'd bleed it, out. It, it depends on the extent of it. Wow. Um, so... Because it's a big a big vessel, right? It, it is, depends yeah. on the type of aneurysm, right? I mean, uh, I would assume that you can have different types... Of, I could be wrong. Different types of aneurysms occurring in the abdomen depending on the type of aneurysm, whether it's a berry or whether it's... You, do you know what I mean? Or is yeah, it once, well, the, once the abdominal aorta is burst, it's going to bleed pretty quick regardless? Well, yeah, I mean, it depends to the extent of how, how much, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it can be catastrophic and you can certainly die very quickly from it. Mm. Or you can, be, you can become very hemodynamically unstable. You can pass out and come in with it. Mm. Um, yeah, or you could come in and say, look, it hurts like hell mm. um, and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if, if it's significant... And it ruptures. It can be, it can be fatal. Um, if it grows big enough, people can feel uncomfortable. Yeah. If it grows big enough, um, you can see it pulsate in an abdomen sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And you can actually palpate it as mm. well. And auscultate so, it. Can you hear it? Generally not. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if if it Grows to the point where it's really un, you know, uncomfortable and pain causing. Sometimes people, you know, people just get diagnosed. Yeah. Um, and so, because that's a structure that's sitting right at the back of the abdominal wall, mm -hmm. is that there's a pain usually at the back? Like, would they have back pain also with it? Or yeah, again, with, it's just too very. Yeah, with, with aortic dissections, you can mm -hmm. sometimes get, you know, that classically they describe it as being tearing pain that you feel between your scapulae. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Um, that's like quite painful. Yeah. And so with a AAA, how typically would you diagnose? Would it be with an image again? 
with the triple A, yep, you'd probably want to contrast CT okay. to really see it. So if that was on your differential, you would do a CT and then put some contrast in. And then that's like a straight up surgery kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, that's a vascular surgery or interventional radiology procedure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, um, you know, it, it depends on the nature of it, obviously, and the clinical state of it. Yeah. But you can just go in through the femoral artery and uh, deploy um, a device. Wow. Like a stent or something. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. And what are, so while we're just talking about flag, the red, big red flag, what are the other ones that would be always in the back of your mind just to make sure that you've covered? Yeah. Perforation okay. is one. Obstruction is one. Yeah. Um, and are the perforations usually due to um, pharmacological mismanagement? Yeah, uh, probably, you know, perforation can have for a bunch of reasons. So you yeah. could have a perforated peptic ulcer. Mm. You could have um, diverticular that... You know, you can get perforated. So, how do you determine somebody has if if somebody has uh, an acute bout of diverticulitis? Yeah. How do you determine that? Is that another diagnosis of exclusion? Oh, uh, look, classic. You know, classically, they'll say I've got pain, and they'll point to the left lower quadrant. Yeah. They'll be tender in the left lower quadrant. Yeah. Um, so colon. So th we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes exquisitely, they might be febrile. Yeah. Um, when you do bloods, they might have an elevated white cell count mm -hmm. or a CRP. Mm -hmm. um, so all those kind of things. And then they usually tend to be middle-aged or above. Yeah. Although, you know, people have been known to get it in their 30s. Yeah. So that, that would kind of give you an idea. And then we just smash them with antibiotics? Yep. Yeah, so the mainstay of treatment... Um, but again, to, I, be, to be diagnosed with that, do they need a colonoscopy? Or you, can, you can do a CT, contrast CT. Oh, so really? Yeah. Okay. I, I did this last night. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it's uh, triple antibiotics. So you yeah. can do gentamicin, ampicillin, and metronidazole. Yeah. Wow. So is the contrast this time they're drinking it? Or? Um, you know, that's, I'd have to check the protocol okay. for that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, that's amazing because we all have diverticuli and diverticulitis being some stuff, primarily bacteria getting caught up and irritating that diverticuli and producing some sort of inflammatory response. Um, is that, I would assume that that would be something that would be ongoing for that individual. They'll come in, they'll yeah. get it, and then I'd assume they would be recurring patients. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So they would know once they've had it once, they'd probably come in and go, I've got diverticulitis again. But yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, you suspect it if they've been in with it before. And, mm. um, yeah, but then. Um, so that's definitely one, but there's, there are quite a few other red flag ones. Ectopic pregnancy being oh, one, yes. especially yeah. if it um, ruptures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, testicular torsion, like I said, mm. can get referred. And so why, why would that be a, a flag? Is that just... Because you could lose a testicle. Exactly. But is it life-threatening? No, but if it can become ischemic. Right. Yeah. It can all, I mean, if it can also become uh, ischemic and then gangrenous and infected. And yeah, yeah, right. Like Fair enough, yeah. You don't want to lose a no. testicle. No, no, you do yeah. not. No, you doesn't do not. It doesn't need to be said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Mind you, I might just add there, because I didn't say it earlier, that uh, ischemic 
would add to the visceral pain as well. So if you have a ischemia to a, a big enough area, that yep. is, is quite painful it, as well. That's that's a really good point. So you can get ischemic gut, um, which is you know, which is something you can you need to think about. Yeah. So um, what would be causing ischemic gut? So you can have emboli thrown on, okay. thrown off into it. Yeah. So that's a vascular issue. Yeah. Yeah. Versus say like if you have torsion, it's uh, yeah. twisted around itself. Or is that yeah. called vulva? Oh, sorry, we're talking about the testicle, are we? Oh, no, 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 no. bowel. Yeah. Or just yeah. just ischemic ischemic pain yeah. to viscera. Yeah, um, is a mechanism of pain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it can be quite significant pain as well. Yeah. yeah. So how do you um, determine that? How do you det- determine uh, ischemic bowel? Uh, would there be an uh, c- can you image for that? Yeah. 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 And it, it can be a difficult one to get get to sometimes yeah. unless they've had risk factors for it. Is um, it usually one part of the bowel that's most commonly affected f- for ischemia or can it be pretty much anywhere? There is one part that's more commonly affected than the other. I just can't remember it off the top of my head. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there, there is one area that's more vulnerable from memory. Yeah. Yeah. But it's certainly something um, that can happen. Telescopic bowel. Is that common? Do you ever see so somebody with telescopic Intersusception. Yeah. Yeah, it's more common. In I say telescopic because I can't say intersusception. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard telescopic. Yeah. You've never heard telescopic? But that's essentially what happens. The bowel telescopes into itself. Is that more... Um, children? Is that ch- yeah, children, yeah. children and potentially the elderly? Potentially the elderly, yeah. yeah. Wow. But yes, children. Um, Is that like more uh, congenital? They're kind of born with it? it no, it... Um, it can, it's not congenital, okay. um, but kids can get it. Mm. Um, and it can just, you know, so they can have periods where they're quite irritable and then it can untelescope when they, and then they're comfortable and then it can re-telescope. So is it an issue with the musculature of the bowel? Is it, is it, is it, is there some issue in the, in sending the signal and the musculature, is, is, you know, the plexus potentially tells it to, suck itself in or uh, from memory i'd have to refresh my memory about yeah. this one um i think it has to do with the surrounding lymph nodes or something like that oh. being um enlarged but again i, I honestly Quite rare. yeah it, it can happen yeah. it's, it's not uncommon yeah but it's so it's something that you need to look out for and when it happens you just insufflate it back so you just blow literally blow air up someone's butt wow yeah wow. and then uh so is that usually large bowel where bowel it's happening yeah okay. um yes okay from memory is that the only time that that is the mode of treatment <laughs> is, it, is there any other cases in which you're like we need air up the butt stack <laughs> when you're trying to suck up to someone else <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when you're sucking the air out of the butt <laughs> that's true <laughs> But, um, you know, with a lot of these things in the elderly, um, you need to make sure that there's no malignant cause going on as well. Mm. You know, so... Because um, I'd assume the elderly would come in and... I'd assume they would put up with a fair bit of pain for a fair bit of time. And when they present... I could be wrong again, but when they present, is it something that, that you know, there's... Oh, I've had this pain for four months now. It's only now just getting worse. Is that common for, for that to happen with the elderly? It can be, but, for, you know, 
a lot of the times for someone to come into the ED, yeah, it has to be fairly significant, sure. generally. Although that's not always the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, with you know, with obstruction, with all these things, you know, you, with them, you definitely need to think about malignancy. Okay. Um, as you know, you just got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. As, as the, the primary, primary cause, cause of, of obstruction. obstruction. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to finish with, Manny? No, I think we've been pretty comprehensive. Yeah. It's a hard one, but I think it is a hard one to kind of keep concise. Yeah, you can kind of go. You can go to, with it. Exactly. You can go to town with <laughs> yeah. different... I mean, we could probably talk for sessions and sessions about different pathologies and different causes of abdominal pain. But I think the, yeah, the important thing to note is that there are many yeah. causes of abdominal pain and you can usually try and hone it down with a good history. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's, that's kind, kind of what's highlighted to me today yeah. is that um, for, for a common presentation, presentation, I mean, we've all had abdominal pain. Uh, for a common presentation, having a good history and had, having some good questions asked, yep. you could almost ascertain a diagnosis with just that. From what you said, you know, talking about where is it? Is it acute? Is it chronic? What makes it worse? What makes it better? Is it a sharp pain? Is it a stabbing pain? Is it uh, a diffuse pain? Does it radiate? Is it local? Is it one area? Are there symptoms along with it? You know, how long has it been around for? There's a, a lot, lot of questions, questions in there, yeah. and you can get so much information. And like you said, how old are they? Male versus female. the other demographic. Medical yeah. history, surgical yeah. history, yeah. obstetric history, medications that they're taking. Are you taking opiates? Are you taking NSAIDs? And I guess all that stuff. This is like after all, after you gather all that information. Yeah. You're pretty confident about what they have. Obviously, you send them off for whatever mm. scan you think's required. Are you? When it comes to abdominal pain, after you take the history, are you like, I don't want you to necessarily quote stats on how yeah. correct or incorrect you are, but when it comes to abdominal pain, you're like, yeah, I've pretty much got that just well, I mean, the patient history. A lot of the time you can get a decent idea of what might be going on yeah. and then the physical examination is the next bit, you know, yeah. so you actually feel the abdomen mm. and, mm. you know, feel where they're tender and what's going on, yeah. what their clinical state is and... Um, you know that that's the basic stuff that'll hopefully get you and really lab tests and imaging tests are there to confirm what you're thinking yeah because you know you could order a thousand different blood tests or you could order different types of imaging but um you need to have an idea of where you're going yeah yeah thing. brilliant well my liege ha thank you well is it don't you want to know the outcome of this case study no all right yeah go on what is it so it's a large bowel obstruction like you correctly said, and it was called, well, I've got the stats here, um, 65% of large bowel obstruction is caused by tumours. Would you agree with that from what you've seen? Probably, yeah. Possibly. Um, about 20 the age group, I'll just About 20% from diverticulitis, um, 5% from volvulus. Um, there's other things like ulcerative colitis and hernia. So in, in his case, he had a hernia, a type of hernia that I've never heard of. Um, and that's what, was, what was the type of hernia? I had to look, look at that guy. Oh, okay. um, but it wasn't one, you know, the common ones like the inguinals or the uh, umbilicals. It was a, a, a strange one. Um, uh, so in this case, if there was a large bowel obstruction and you confirmed it, and let's say the whole, the, the whole large bowel is just full of poo, 
Are you what? What do you what do you do? Do you just evacuate it, or do you have to go into surgery? Or again, it's going to depend on what the cause is. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's going to be cause dependent. Right. Okay. Yeah. I guess you just call the gastro team. <laughs> oh, ge general surgery probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. Any yeah. final comments? Not from me. No, well, thanks. Thanks again, guys. Thank Always you for fun. Yeah. So we're going to try to have Dinesh on about every month. Yep. And we're probably, since he's the ED man, uh, we're going to try and go through the most common presentations into ED, yep. such as abdominal pain. That's right. That sounds good. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Look forward to it. He'll probably have another um, acronym behind his name next week, next month. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get some uh, other award that puts us all to shame. No, no. Um, everyone, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr... I always forget. Mickey Todd. Uh, Mickey Todd. Dr. Mickey Todd, I think I am. And Dr. Bartox. Do you have Twitter, Dinesh? I don't. I don't have any social media except LinkedIn. Smart. Yeah. Smart man. That's why I couldn't find you on Twitter when I was trying to congratulate you. Um, we've also got a Facebook page, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. I've just made an Instagram account where I put up three to five minute videos talking about anatomy, physiology, things like that. It's going pretty well. If you want to view it, that's at Dr. Mike Todorovic, Dr. B, just D-R, Mike Todorovic. Uh, and apart from that, give us a nice five-star rating on iTunes. If you don't like us, don't listen to us and don't give us a shitty rating. Thanks, everyone. And Dr. Dinesh is off to bed. Yes. yes. Good night, Dinesh. Good night. Good night, Good night team. See ya. That was fun. Thanks, mate. Wow, that was good. That was a really good one. It, it, it got um, a bit muddy at one point. But, but it, it is muddy. It's, it's muddy. Yeah, it's broad. Okay. Yeah. But I think we covered, I think we, uh, covered really well. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.